Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us on the Zoe Church Podcast. We are a community in Los Angeles that lives to see people get saved, disciples made, leaders raised up, and the church released. If you're ever in Los Angeles, come join us. We meet at the Million Dollar Theater at 10, 12, and 6 p.m. Brand new series we're in called Do You Know Why? We're all discovering why we exist and why God has gifted us this way. We love you, and thank you for partnering with us. Make sure you subscribe, and make sure you comment. Share our podcast. Let everybody know that you're part of the Zoe journey. All right, let's jump in. Watch what he says here in Matthew 22. He says this in verse 34. Hearing that, Jesus silenced the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and they got together, and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teachers, talking to Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, well, that's easy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is similar. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. What, what Jesus is saying is, in the, before I came, you had to fulfill all these laws, all these commandments. But now that I'm here, all you have to do is love God and love people. If you do these two things, you fulfill all 613 in the Old Testament. All of all, Listen, I'm boiling it down to these two things. I want you to love God and I want you to love people. By the way, anybody thankful today that we are no longer under the law? Come on, clap tonight if you're grateful. I'm no longer under the law. I am now under grace. See, what Jesus is trying to teach us, is, it's called the simplicity of Christianity. Maybe somebody convinced you that being a Christian's hard. You got to do this, you got to do that, you got to go here, you got to say this, you can't wear this, you can't say that. No, no, no. L- listen, it's all about loving God and loving people. I like the first thing that he started with was the word love. By the way, our God, he doesn't do love, he is love. Love is not a light switch he turns on. This is his character. This is his nature. I think as Christians, we should be known not for what we're against. We should be known what we're for. We shouldn't be known for being haters. We should be known for being lovers. We should love people. That's why God said, listen, all that matters in this new era, all that matters in this new regime, now that Jesus is here, now that I'm under grace, now that I'm in the New Testament, all you have to do is love God and love people. Why does God, it doesn't explain to us exactly why, but I want to give you a few reasons why God has only told you to love God and love people. This is just a few reasons why. Write down the first one. The first one is because God cares more about relationship than religious duties. God is a God of relationship. In the Old Testament, you had to have duties. You had to to do, do your service. You had to work. You had to try and get in good with God. In the New Testament, it's not by working, it's by believing. If I believe in Jesus, I'm in good with God. Under the law, by the way, the law is powerless. 
The law could only point out how bad you are. The law only pointed out your frailty. The law only taught you what a sinner you are, but never gave you the power to overcome. Grace points out your weakness, but points you to the power. Anybody thankful tonight that though I'm a sinner, come on, clap. Though I'm a sinner, I'm saved by grace. Come on, anybody thankful tonight? I can overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. I'm not under the law. I'm under love. So we don't serve a God that's like, listen, if you tithe this much, if you pray this much, if you read this much, if you serve this much, if you give this much, then you're in good. No, no, no. If you believe in Jesus, you're good. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, if you believe he wasn't just a prophet but the Messiah, you're in good with God. And God does not want religious duty. God wants relationship. Listen to the expert of the law. The expert of the law is like, Tell me what I got to do. It's like a customer service agent. Tell me what I got to do to get in good with God. She's like, see, because you want me to boil it down to a system. God's a God of relationship. So all I care about is relationship. I want a relationship with you, and I want you to have healthy relationship with others. And so really all that matters to me is a relationship with God and a relationship with others. Look at this scripture. I love this so much. Psalm 51, you do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart you, God, will not despise. God cannot work with the fake you. He only wants the real you. So in this relationship, I can come broken. I can come with all my baggage. I can come with all my issues, all my frustrations, all my pains, all my disappointments. Anybody thankful that God doesn't say, get your act together? Come on, clap tonight. Anybody thankful that God says, come just as you are? In this relationship, he gets to know the good, the bad, and the ugly. In this relationship, it's about authenticity. It's about genuine nature. It's not about how you make your voice in flux. It's not about what songs you know or scriptures you know or how much you pray. It's just about saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, I don't have all the answers. Lord, I'm not in a good place. Lord, I recognize I'm a sinner. Come on, clap tonight if you're thankful. It's all about relationship. Oh, I love this. Jesus continues on. Matthew 23. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but do not follow their example, for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands, and they never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra-wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra-long tassels, and they love to sit at the head of the table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues, and they love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi. So that's religious duty. Now you can understand what they're teaching, but they don't live it. Because all I care about is not religious duty. I care about a genuine relationship with you. 
God is not pleased because you showed up at a building tonight. God is pleased because you have a relationship with him. God is pleased because you talk to him and you walk with him and you text him and you journal. And come on, anybody thankful today? I'm in a relationship with God. You ever talk to somebody and they drop a name and you're like, let me pick up that name for you. That's so cool. You know, but just here, you can have it back. It's awesome. Sweet. So cool. Lovely living in L.A. Like, you want to drop names? Your friends with God. Does it get bigger than that? Does it get bigger than that? God says, I call you friend. God says, I want relationship. Don't you believe the lie because you get caught up in all the long prayers and the, the outfits and the eloquent sayings and I know how to do this and I'm a connect group leader. Good for you. Praise God. But that don't make you any better than someone that just says, I have a relationship with Jesus. I'm really stoked on it. I know it's not perfect. I know I'm not eloquent. I know I don't know as much as you, but one thing I am is I'm real. Are you real? Because God cares about relationship. He doesn't care about religious duty. In the law, it's all about religious duty. Under grace. By the way, write down number two. The reason why I'm saying this is because you are now under grace. You are under grace. Oh, I'm so excited. You are under the canopy and you are under the umbrella of grace. By the way, when you were under the tyranny of the law, the law tormented you. The law shamed you. The law brought great guilt. The law brings great condemnation. The first time the law has ever preached in the book of Exodus, 3,000 people die. The first time grace is preached in the New Testament, 3,000 people get saved. The law kills, but grace gives life. Somebody thank Jesus tonight. I'm not under that old regime no more. I'm under grace. What am I blaming? I'm under, I'm under forgiveness. I'm under approval. I'm under acceptance. I'm under compassion. By the way, grace is undeserved blessing and it's unmerited favor. You didn't earn the favor you got. You didn't deserve the, the blessing that God gave you. Anybody thankful tonight? I know what a sinner I am. I am saved by grace. I'm promoted by grace. Clap tonight like you're grateful for undeserved blessing and unmerited favor. You know that old saying, favor ain't fair? It ain't. Because it's not based upon fairness. It's not based upon religious duty. God just loves you because he loves you. He loves you because you're a son. He loves you because you're a daughter. He loves you because you're his child. He loves you because he made you. Anybody thankful tonight? I'm under grace. I'm under grace. I saw this great video the other day on social media. This guy was like torrential downpour. It's like, you know, like when other places in the country it rains, it's like they're frolicking and having fun. It's raining and we're getting Starbucks. No, like L.A., when it rains, it's like we're going to die. Like Noah's coming back. It's going to die. We're going to die. It was like one of those rain floods, and this guy, he hopped out of his truck because he saw this girl at the bus stop with no umbrella. So he got out of his truck, he ran, grabbed the umbrella, gave it to this lady, and ran back and got back into his truck. The person behind him filmed the whole thing. So now this lady's at the bus stop, and she's under the umbrella. She's under the, the protection. Can I tell you that you are under grace? You're under Jesus. You're under the blood and the covenant of Jesus. 
When the enemy tries to come in and mess with you and lie to you, you are covered by grace. Oh, I just love this. Look, look up on the screen. Galatians 3, the obvious impossibility of carrying out such moral program should make it plain that no one can sustain a relationship with God that way. The person who lives in right relationship with God does it by embracing what God arranges for him. Doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what God does for you. Habakkuk had it right. By the way, let me just say to every parent who is pregnant with child, can we just throw out the name option, Habakkuk? Like all these people that are like, we named our child a Bible name, David, Samuel. What about Habakkuk? Can we get some Nahum up in this mug? You trendy, earthy tote folks. Habakkuk had it right. The person who believes God is set right by God. And that's the real life. Rule keeping does not naturally evolve into living by faith. But it only perpetuates itself in more and more rule keeping. A fact observed in scripture. The one who does these things, rule keeping, continues to live by them. Christ redeemed us from that self-defeating, cursed life by absorbing it completely into himself. Do you remember the scripture that says, cursed is the everyone who hangs on a tree? That is what, what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He became a curse and at the same time dissolved the curse. Oh, come on, that's good reading right there. Come on, clap and thank God. In other words, you don't go from religious duty to religious duty into now I'm just in relationship. No, religious duty breeds more religious duty. That's where self-righteousness comes from. You feel better than others. Self-righteous people judge others off actions but themselves off intentions. They think about how bad they are, but I didn't mean that myself. But when you're in a relationship with God, you say, I don't need to judge nobody else. Praise be to God that forgave me and loved me and healed me. Clap tonight. If you're grateful, I'm under. I'm under grace. Now, now, now Jesus looks at the expert of the law and he says to him, you, you know, this is a customer service agent from American Airlines. What is the greatest law? And Jesus says, I'll tell you what it is. The first law, the most important law, this is, the, this is the number one in your life. Now, this is all you need to do is love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Or let's just go, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and strength. Now, soul, the soul is your mind, will, and your emotions. So Jesus says, I want you to love me with your emotions. Your emotions are subject to me. So your zeal, your passion, all of the emotions. So I want you, your will, you submit your will to me. And your mind, your mind which can be tormented. Your mind which can be given to negativity. Your mind which the enemy wants to attack. Love me with your, with your thought life. So he says, I want your mind, your will, your emotions. I want your strength. Why would God say, love me with your strength? God is saying, all your strength should not go for your career. All your strength should not go just for what you want. Don't give your best to yourself. Give your best to me. So if I give my strength, my, my best of my week just to what I do, but not what God cares about, I'm not loving God with everything I have. So he said, I want your soul and I want your strength. Give me your strength, your hands. Give me your passion, your zeal, your fervor. Give me, so I want your soul, your strength, and your first, what is it? Your heart. 
Your heart is the central part of who you are. So God says, I want you to love me with your whole heart. And the reason why, write down number three, is because idols kill. Because if you have idols in your life, what an idol will do is an idol will take the place where God should be, and an idol will end up destroying you. God in the Old Testament speaks to this guy named Solomon, who, by the way, at this time is the wisest man who had ever walked the face of the earth. And he says to this wise guy, this amazing guy, Solomon, he says, Solomon, don't let these girls, you, you, if you get with these girls, you, they're going to turn your heart away from me. And you'll stop serving me. They'll become an idol. I don't know what an idol is in your life, but it could be anything. It could be children. It could become career. It could be fame. It could be finance. It's anything that takes a place where God should be. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up with a very serious game in my social uh, friend circle. I grew up with a game called shotgun. Anybody take shotgun seriously growing up? Like, we'll go to blows over shotgun. Like with your friends, like you're growing up and you call shotgun like this. If somebody tries to take shotgun, this is a serious offense. Can I get a Pentecostal amen? Because if you call shotgun and a friend is willing to take the shotgun from you, the friendship should end immediately. I'm just preaching the Bible tonight. I'm, just teaching, I'm not teaching you man's thought. I'm teaching you God thought. But if you call shotgun, you just get excited. You're like, yeah, I'm not in the middle seat in the back. I'm not in the window back. I'm just, I got shotgun. This is the best seat in the house. So you get up there because that means you got a shot at the aux cord. Somebody give me an amen. So you're a shotgun. You're a shotgun. This is the place you want to be. Can I just tell you that God is supposed to be number one in your life? And anything that tries to take him out and put him in the back seat, or lest he put him in the middle, if anybody tries to, that's called an idol. Idols will kill. Idols promise to deliver but never can. Uh, idols promise to, to hook you up but they always let you down. The, no, no, God can take care of your heart. Only God can take care of your heart. Oh, I love this, Psalm 97. Look at Psalm 97, verse 7. Shame covers all who boast in other gods. For they worship idols. For all the supernatural powers once worshiped the true and living God. But God's Zion people are content. For they know and hear the truth. The people of praise rejoice all over all your judgments, O Lord. No, no, no. The, the, the reality is when you have an idol in your life, you can't hear the truth anymore. Because what you are listening to is a lie. And you're listening to the lie of that idol tell you, I'll take care of you. I'll provide for you. I, I, trust me, I'll promote you. Trust me, you do this, you go, you, whew, stick with me. And you can no longer hear the truth. And if you can no longer hear the truth, you will not live free. So God says, love me with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Why? Because write this down, this is the truth. Only God can take care of your heart. The, listen, the safest place for your heart is with Jesus. The safest friend you have is Jesus. The safest spot for your heart and for your future is with Jesus. And so when I give God my heart, I am putting my heart in the best place possible. God says, give me your heart. Why? Because all those other gods don't know what to do with your heart. And can I just tell you, you don't even know what to do with your heart. I, I love L.A. because LA, L.A. be tripping sometimes. LA's like, follow your heart. Just go with it. And God's up in heaven, no, no, don't you dare. You follow your heart, we're going to mess this whole thing up. 
Look at Jeremiah. I love this verse, Jeremiah 17. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I don't even trust my own heart with myself. No, my heart needs to be given to God. My heart needs to go to the place that can shelter it, protect it, heal it, change it, rearrange it, mold it. Clap tonight if you're thankful. I'm not following my heart. I'm giving my heart to God, and God will lead my heart. Come on, give him some praise tonight. I'm giving Jesus my best. What's the greatest commandment? I'll tell you what it is. Love God with all your heart. The last time I checked is when you love something with your whole heart, you go nuts for it. You become fanatical about it. You get zeal. You get passion. You get love. It becomes cra- you become crazy about it. Or do you feel that way about God? Because when you start loving God, you're like, I don't care. Listen, I, I went those other ways and they, and they broke my heart. I just love that we're getting into the, the holidays. I'm telling you, last night we set up the Christmas tree. And when I say we, I mean Julia set up the Christmas tree. Ball out. And our kids were in the PJs. We got all the, the stuff out. When I say stuff, it's because I don't know what those things are called. And so we're out there. We're decorating the tree. And you got to admit, you know, there's a lot of great. We put on the playlist. And, you know, Frank Sinatra is playing. But I'll tell you who my number one is when it comes to Christmas. The number one stunner, Mariah Carey. You see that video she put out with the Halloween in the background? Like, she wins. And what is the song that we know her to sing? Last Christmas, I gave you my heart, and the very next day, you gave that thing away. This Christmas, I'm giving it to somebody else in the 6 p.m. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're tired of singing that, you know, like last year, I remember this was my, my, my thing I was into, and this was the trend, and this was the fad, and this is what we were all doing. And what if it's true of you that every year you're just like, I'm in love with Jesus, and I serve him, and I follow him, and I love him, and, and when other idols try and take shotgun, I don't even open the door. I know where that stuff leads. I've, I've, I've made the mistake of letting other things take place of what Jesus should be. And all they've done, all they've done is hurt me. All they've done is disappoint me. All they've done is leave me, leave me feeling icky inside. And so I'm just saying to God, God, you're number one and I'm not going to change it. He's the only person that can take care of your heart. I wouldn't even trust yourself with your heart. Jeremiah says, above all else, the heart is wicked. It is deceitful. Your heart will deceive you. You ever feel some way about somebody and you're like, why am I feeling that way? You, you ever think, think some, some way about a situation like, what, what, what is in my heart that is so bruised that I can't even see straight? Don't, don't, don't trust yourself with your heart. You give your heart to God. And you love God with all your heart and God will heal your heart. He will, he will soften that hard heart. He will mold it and make it into become a heart. I just love this. In the Bible, it speaks of David, that David was a man after God's own heart. Could God do heart surgery on you to take what you've gone through and turn it into a pure heart? Like a beautiful heart. In Christianese terms, we, we say it this way, like, they just had such a good heart. Like, I wonder if, if, if people say of you, they have such a good heart. Like, their heart is so good. 
The only way you could ever get a good heart is not by good morals or ethics. It's by saying, Lord, I give you my heart. And God takes that heart of flesh and he turns it into a spiritual renewal. Amen. Worship team, you can come join me. Here's the last one. I want to get to the second commandment because we're in 105.3. I'm sitting in the back seat. I'm all dolled up for church. You know, mom's, mom's driving. My mom's from Mexico, by the way. So we know how to la cucaracha. I've done my fair share of la bamba. I'm in the back seat. And Amy Grant is done singing. And the announcer gets on. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. 105.3, love God, love people. Isn't it interesting that the expert of the law asked for one, but Jesus gave him two. He says, what's the greatest commandment? He says, oh, it's really easy. The only thing you have to do as a Jesus follower is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you know, the second one is similar. It's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Which right away, some of us check out because we're like, ha, 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 love my neighbor as myself. Fam, I don't like myself. How in the world can I love somebody else? I, I don't even like me. I don't like the way God made me. I don't, like, I don't like my body. I don't like my gift mix. I don't like where I'm at in life. I'm frustrated. I'm broker than a joker. I'm single. How can I love somebody else? I don't love me. And Jesus is speaking first to our identity that you should love yourself. That you should love the way God made you. You should love your gift mix. You should love your personality. You should love your temperament. You should love where you're at. Clap tonight if you got some gratitude in your life. I've been doing these, no, the, these no, uh, monthly challenges, my November challenges. Every day you say all these things you're grateful for. Can you put up that list? Can you put up the list? I'm thankful for today. I'm thankful for all that God has planned for me. I'm thankful for the way God created me. How about I'm thankful for my friends and my family. I'm thankful for all the things God is doing that I can't see and I don't even know about yet. How about this one? I'm thankful for my health. I'm thankful for that I'm already loved and accepted. I'm thankful for my city. Yes, I am. I'm thankful for those who God has placed over my life. And I am thankful for the influence God has given me. Clap tonight if you're grateful. Come on, I mean like you're really thankful. Don't wait to get to Thanksgiving. Anybody, anybody say yes and amen to that list right there. But can I tell you while I'm going through this every day, every day I need to hear these words. Every day I need to confess this over my life. Every day as I'm going through it, I'm like, that's right, that's right. You will not win. The flesh will not win. Negativity will not win. My past will not win. I declare I'm thankful. I'm grateful. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. You will never love another person until you love you. Because if you don't love you, you'll be jealous, you'll be coveted, you'll, you'll be filled with covetedness. I don't even know if there's a word. I'm just excited about what I'm saying right now. You'll be filled with envy. That's another word. She says, love your neighbor as yourself. You will never, in a way, he's going back to the first commandment. Love God with all your heart. Because I find that if I'm good here, I'm way good here. 
But until I allow God to love me, I don't have a shot at loving others. Um, nothing says more about who you are than your relationships. So he says the greatest commandment is your relationship with me and the story of your relationship with others. And so the way that people will know that you follow me is that you love people. You love people that don't vote like you and don't look like you and don't act like you. You love people that don't live up to your morals and ethics. You love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who's my neighbor? I think you know. So what if Jesus was saying to you tonight, stop focusing on what you're doing. This is classic Christianity, by the way. Classic Christianity is like, you know what? What I do, I'm a Jesus person, so I read the Bible and I pray and I serve and I go to connect group and I do this. No, 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 no. Why do you do it? The reason why I do this is because God called me to love him with everything. So I read my Bible because I want to know him. And I pray because I want to know him. And I serve because I want to love my neighbor as myself. Come on, Zoe, clap tonight if you're thankful that this is the most important why of your life. And I know it might sound cheesy. I know I feel like I'm from 105.3, but I felt like God wanted to tell you, love God and love people. And get back to that simple thing. Get back to that bullseye of making life just so simple. It's about God and others. Why does God say love your neighbor as yourself? Because I want to convince you right down the last point. Because you, God wants you to experience his relentless love. You will never experience the relentless love of Jesus until you try and go love somebody else. And when you try and love somebody that's broken, and you try and love somebody that's in a bad place, and you try and love somebody that doesn't love you, and you try and forgive somebody that's hurt you, when you try and do that, it will remind you, oh my gosh, that is the way God loves me. I've broken his heart. I've broken his trust. I've hurt his feelings, and yet he loves me. When you go and love people, it will give you a glimpse. It will give you an idea of the way God loves you. How can you ever experience the relentless love of Jesus without walking in relentless love for others. Amen? Come on, stand to your feet. I was just thinking, what would Zoe look like? What would our church look like if we love God and love people? What would, what would our community look like if we just brought it back to these two simple things? We're in love with you. And we're going to do our best to love others. Let me read these last scriptures to you. Ephesians 4. Put them up on the screen. Listen to these. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Amen. Come on, let's pray tonight. Jesus, we love you.